0: Welcome back to the Neil plus one podcast with me Neil Curran. This week on the podcast I speak to a wonderful improviser who is as infectious a person as he is an improviser. He's a joy to watch on stage and a truly engaging and fantastic teacher. He performs with uh, the award-winning group the May Days in the UK uh, amongst other troops and he was in Dublin recently uh, teaching and performing. Uh, And this podcast, we recorded late at night, it was outdoors, and we had a cackling, cackling or a crackling? A crackling fire in the background behind us. So you will hear a little bit of crackling for the first few minutes of the podcast, but please bear with it, it does go away after a couple of minutes. So yeah, we had a late night chat about uh, Lloydie and his improv thoughts, so I hope you enjoy it. Woo! I am, yes that woo is coming out of the mouth of my guest tonight, it is tonight here, this is the first time I've recorded the podcast outside in the wilderness of the Dublin back. <laughs> uh, we're in my back garden beside a makeshift fire. And I'm joined by Lloydy. Um, we will call him Lloydie, but he will introduce yeah. himself as he sees fit.
1: Oh, okay. Um, uh, I guess I'm known as Lloydy, or Lloydy James Lloyd, to give me my full invented name. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I improvise with the Maydays in London and Brighton, and uh, with... Uh, various teams uh, in Nottingham including Rhymes Against Humanity uh, which is the musical improv team in in Nottingham
0: Great and welcome to Dublin
1: Oh thank you so much for having me here what an amazing scene you've got
0: And you've been busy this weekend because you've been teaching two workshops and you joined us for our Love Improv Jam Oh my god the
1: Love Improv Jam was so much fun it was absolutely packed Um, and like the quality of improv and just like the, the community spirit was amazing
0: Well we all appreciate that, but this is not about us. This is about you. Oh so
1: no! That's the worst <laughs> thing for it to be about.
0: <laughs> so let's start at the basics. We have to get this out of the way. Okay. Um, and even interesting improv backstory. You've been everywhere. You've been around, as they say.
1: Oh yeah, I've just hoarded myself around improv um, until I found people who will who will play with me. Um, I I started off doing improv uh, in Nottingham um after moving there about eight and a half years ago i i was super into kind of like comedy and writing and things like that and i'd written some like short plays and stuff but i'd never really found the thing that i really loved um i don't think um and i really loved the sitcom 30 rock with tina fey in it and it was just after i'd moved to nottingham i, I was watching some outtakes on youtube and i discovered tina fey improvising with the upright citizens brigade in the uh kind of tv special that they did that had been uploaded onto youtube and thank god for people who pirate things illegally on youtube because i watched it and thought i wonder if anybody does that in nottingham so i googled improv and nottingham and i found miss imp which has now been going for like 19 years um and uh, it'd been going for 10-ish years then um i got in touch and i went along um and within a few months i was doing shows a year on from that i rediscovered who the Upright Citizens Brigade were, um, found out they had a theatre, found out they did a a week-long intensive in New York, went to New York, did that intensive, um, and genuinely, I hate the term, oh, it changed my life, because it makes it sound like, uh, I don't know, that I was in some way lost beforehand, (laughs) and I was still a complete complete human. Um, But um, it did change my life, and I went back six months later and spent two weeks in New York doing their 201 And then, um, basically, Miss Imp started flying, you know, one or two UCB teachers out to Nottingham. And then I met people in the May Days, um, went to uh, the Annoyance Theatre in Chicago with a couple of them, ended up kind of joining the May Days, um, who, despite the fact that I live in Nottingham, uh, improvise in London and Brighton. um, And I've spent a lot of time travelling, doing improv in various places, uh, Chicago, New York, um, Washington, D.C., and here in Dublin, which has been super exciting.
0: Which has been your favourite one of them all.
1: Here in Dublin, which has been super exciting. <laughs> um, if you're listening in New York. In New York, which was super exciting. Or if you, li- yeah, you know, uh, Do you know what? Every, every improv community I think I've ever, d- ever encountered has been um, uh, really interesting, really warm, and, uh, and, and really open.
0: And that's something you've gotten to experience a lot because, as you say, you live in Nottingham, you perform with the Maydows, who are normally Brighton-based, but perform mm-hmm. a lot in London. And you're doing DCM uh, Pretty soon you, you, You've done Chicago Do, Are you noticing much difference In the improv that you see And you feel in those different cities Different countries
1: Yeah I mean the, the first thing is It's continually expanding I mean you know UCB seven years ago um, Don't get it wrong it was, it was thriving then but not nearly as much as now. You know, the, the extra theatres they've got, they just had the one theatre in New York at the time, the one theatre in Chelsea. They now also have a, an East Village theatre and the ones in uh, uh, L.A. as well. So, I mean, and when I was first there, it was before all of that. Um, so that's that's grown. And, I, I, and, you know, New York seven years ago is still bigger than, you know, London is now. Um, London has grown so much, even in the last couple of years. And Nottingham has, uh, you know... I think, you know, outside of London, and this is my, you know, one of my little pet things, uh, people in London forget that there are many other cities just in the UK, alone in the world, um, that have thriving cultural scenes. And, you know, uh, 19 years of Miss Imp is it's probably one of the, if not the longest standing uh, improv group in, in the UK, bar maybe the comedy store players who've been going for uh, over 25. So um, the change has been tremendous in all of these different cities. Uh, the the growth has been exciting, and also the quality. The quality, no matter where you go, is improving all the time. You know, improv has kind of gone, almost gone through its punk rock era and is now starting to become um, this recognized art form. You know, businesses suddenly recognize that improv has applications. Um, people who run TV networks suddenly realize, in the UK particularly, that, oh, hang on, there's this thing called improv. What can we get from that? Are there is there emerging talent from that? And yet it's still in its early stages, but it's kind of emerging from its punk rock era into its kind of, like, more mainstream era. Um, there'll be some that, you know, resist that slightly. I think, you know, I think it's kind of a good thing. It's nice to get the recognition.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned corporate, because you do a lot of corporate work, and you work in, you work in media. You work yeah in radio. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because... When I started teaching, the cor- well, actually, before I started teaching the corporate stuff, when I realized that, hang on a sec, what we do on stage is very relevant to our day jobs or our mm. professional lives or whatever it may be, and thinking I was going to make millions, and then you find out that, actually, no, this is kind of old hat for a lot of people. So, tell us what that's been like in the UK and in the corporate side.
1: Um, on the corporate side, it's uh, it's been fascinating um, because I think, you know, um, what improv has is really useful, but it's not unique to improv. Um there are other ways of expressing this. Like I've I've trained in hypnotism and NLP, um, which is a you know has various um, degrees of application and also credibility. Um, but some of the very basic things that you teach about rapport building, about um, collaboration, um, they hold true in a number of different disciplines. Um, what is wonderful about improv is you can teach it to businesses um, in a way that is. Entertaining rather than theoretical, um, where you, they can see the application of improvisers using these skills uh, and they can also enjoy seeing that in progress. So, if you watch an improv troupe and find out how they do what they do, um, it's both entertaining and informative in a way that maybe other disciplines aren't. But what you're doing, whether it be, you know, basic comedy writing, um, satire writing, improv comedy, it, a lot of it relies on some of the same basic core theoretical tenets.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you find that we're, you know, when when businesses approach you or approach, you know, the groups that you're with, looking for training, do you find they're coming to you kind of overminded with, hey, we'd like to do this improv stuff and we don't know why or we don't know mm-hmm. we think it would be good? Or are they coming to you with a specific goal?
1: Oh, both. <laughs> both. Um, there are some people who... Uh, And and these are the people that I love and uh, adore. They're like, we know that you do this thing and we want you to do this thing with us. Um, And those are the people I honestly think get the best experience because we bring the best of what we do to them. um, And they take um, the stuff that's most relevant for them. Other people are more prescriptive. And the joy of being an improviser is you're adaptable. um, So you can say, okay, cool, we can we can work with that. And you find a way of working with it, which is one of the joys of being an improviser. But um, very often you're trying to kind of um, bend what you do to someone's corporate vision. You can do that, don't get me wrong, but they miss out on some of the other joyful things. Um, uh, So, yeah, it can work both ways. Um, Some people come to it saying, how can we make this work within our corporate structure? Other people go, let's see what you do and then find the applications for it.
0: Now you talk, mentioned, that we, and we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier this weekend, the hypnotism and the NLP. Hmm. Um, well, we all know what hypnotism is. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what NLP is. Oh,
1: geez, um, how do you even describe it? NLP, um, in the nicest possible way, just borrowed from lots of other disciplines that they thought was working. Um, it's not. It's not. In my opinion, a single unified thing. That doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It absolutely does. And you know, some of the NLP kind of like the NLP fast phobia cure, for example, is one of the most effective kind of like techniques that I've I've experienced and seen in my life. I mean, I've I've helped people go from a a spider phobia where they couldn't even say the word spider through to holding a tarantula in less than six minutes. Um, And For me, that's an incredibly powerful thing. I don't really do it that much in my life. I found it an incredibly useful thing. I was very lucky to learn from Paul McKenna, who's an incredibly talented and and warm-hearted guy. Um, But, but yeah, NLP is one of those. uh, Because it also teaches you how to kind of create your own techniques, I think a lot of people have kind of adopted it and... And sometimes misused it, I think. And it has uh, a kind of crazy name sometimes associated with it, which I think is a little unfair.
0: It does. And I remember when I, because I I have, when I was training as a coach, NLP is a part of that. Mm. And when it was NLP day, I was like, oh, great. Tell us how we manipulate people for our gain. That was kind of my view going into it.
1: And absolutely. And I think it does have that reputation because so many people have used it for, you know, like dating coaching and, you know, certain types of sales coaching as well, which... Um, which I don't really recognize because really good NLP is about creating a situation that works for both people. But ideally it's about, you know, it's about creating states that are most useful for the people that you're creating them for. Um, If you're using it to manipulate people, I think by and large, yeah, you might be successful the first time, but you won't be on subsequent times because they will get wise to it. I think someone knows when they've been manipulated, even if it takes them a little while to realize it.
0: So let me ask you this thing, because i I was going somewhere with this. Mm. Do it has NLP or hypnotism had a benefit to you as a performer, as an improviser? Are there elements of that you can draw on when you're on stage?
1: Absolutely, um, because hypnotism and NLP are about creating states which are useful to you. I am now able to get on stage, and I don't get nervous. I sometimes get a little bit anxious um, if it's a really big gig, but I generally don't get nervous, but I do get super excited. I do get into a state where I'm like uh, curious, interested, um, willing to screw with people a little bit. Um, So I get excited before shows, and that puts me in a really good place. Whereas I think 10 years ago, I would have been in a place where I would be nervous, anxious, and it would have been counterproductive um, to the quality of performance that I would bring.
0: So... You know, it's it's uh, some improv teachers will say to you, you know, when you want to kind of if you're you know there's that old old adage that a lot of improv students say, oh how can I practice this on my own or what can I do? Uh A lot of improv teachers will say watch movies, read books, and learn other Mm. things. And I think NLP might be might be an example of something where you know you can gain the skill that has benefits to you as a performer and in terms of your own development as opposed to, I guess, the manipulation of others as you know a lay member's lay person might put it with. How NLP can be perceived. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think first of all, it can get you into really good states where you can perform. Also, it will allow you to kind of deconstruct how people are doing great work. Um, Because there is always, you know, a process. Even if someone says, oh, I'm naturally gifted at this, or if other people say they're naturally gifted at that, that may very well be true. But they still have to go through a process in their minds Mm -hmm. to construct. Um, whatever comedic thing they're doing or performance thing they're doing, the more you can just break that down a little bit, deconstruct it and understand it a bit, the better. I mean, you know, most really good, like stuff that the Second City do, writing courses and stuff like that, they do break down the comedic process. Mm. And if you're able to break down the process in such a way that is helpful to you and that still gives you your own unique voice, I think that's super useful.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... Um, just uh, just to give a better background We weren't joking when we said we were recording this outside So I realised there's a lot of crackling That isn't actually the audio recording That is the fire that we're sitting in We're hunched over <laughs> And there's a jingling bell noise in the background Which is our, our the dog hair George
1: I adore George Trotting
0: around with his name tag dancing off the little metal Holder it's connected to
1: He's the best, and if oh, he's heard his name.
0: He's heard his name. He's now sniffing the doogle.
1: <laughs> yeah, you sniff that microphone, George.
0: So, um, tell us a little bit about because you're you're not the first Mayday we've had on the p- we've well, we've not the first Mayday I've had on the podcast, um, and I'm I, it's no secret I'm massive fans of the Maydays both as teachers and performers. So, tell us a little bit about how that all came to to life for you.
1: For me, I mean. Um, it was funny actually coming back from my UCB classes um, it was the first time I'd encountered long form improv and it was 2010 and I thought I've never encountered this before I've never seen this in the UK does anyone else do this and so obviously I did a Google search because that's how I discovered there was improv in Nottingham so I thought you know I'll I'll, I'll Google long form improv and I discovered the Maydays existed so shortly after I did my level 2 my 201 at UCB I went to the Edinburgh Fringe for a few days and I saw a Mayday show. Um, I was like, oh my God, there are people doing this in the (laughs) UK and got super excited about it. Um, About a year after that, I got in touch with uh, Heather Urquhart and uh, Joe Samuel about doing some musical improv in Nottingham. They came up, obviously wowed and charmed everybody in the way that they do um, and just kind of stayed in touch. And then when... uh, I remember, again, at the Edinburgh Fringe, which I was going up to a few years later, um, they had two members of the Maydays who were leaving for two very different reasons, one to go on tour with a a touring show and another to actually move to the States. And they were short of people to perform for a couple of days at the very end of their run. And I happened to be up for those couple of days at the end of their run. So I I, I ended up doing the show with them and then um, did a few more down in Brighton with them and just casually ended up doing shows with them. And it was... You know, one of those things where um, I enjoyed playing with them. I think they enjoyed playing with me. Otherwise, I doubt they'd have done it for the last four years. Um, And, yeah, it was one of those things that kind of developed from there, really.
0: And the Maydays have a very interesting legacy. And, Mm. like, you're very... You've got a very diverse performing catalogue. Like, you're not just, you know, uh, pigeonholed into, oh, we just do musical, or we just Mm -hmm. do this. Like, you do incredibly... Uh, entertaining musicals but now recently we're seeing the happily never after show which is wowing audiences across europe it's it's a phenomenal show
1: um it's uh it's really captured imaginations i think and i mean you know but very much the brainchild of really joe samuel uh, um uh, in in many respects in a lot of respects in fact um and it's kind of got a Tim Burton-esque feel to it, I suppose. I think that's kind of the genesis of it, doing something that you know was a bit of a homage to um, uh, to his work, but it kind of goes a bit beyond that, to be honest. And although it has songs in it and has a musical element to it, it's not necessarily an improvised musical so much um, as it is, um, yeah, uh, just a fantastical tale um, each time. Uh, and and because you know, stylistically, you know, we're wearing kind of black and white stripes and things like that. It's, it has a mood and a feel about it that the, the other Mayday shows don't have. Um, and, yeah. Um, but, you know, all of the shows that we do have a different kind of feel to them. You know, like Tonight's Top Story, which is based on uh, newspaper articles um, that, that members of the audience have cut out, or confessions based on people's true-life confessions. Which
0: is now a book format as well. Yes, <laughs> uh, indeed it is.
1: Um, so, um, yeah, I... I I enjoy that variety because, you know, Mayday's also teach um, both drop-ins and classes in Brighton and London um, and also bespoke classes uh, around the UK and the world, for that matter. Um, so being able to kind of walk our talk in a, a lot of different ways, I think, is, you know, super important and is, is a really nice thing to be able to do.
0: So uh, I think it was Chris Mead wrote a, a wonderful blog piece recently about how to make an improv group survive. I loved uh, that and it piece. Was really great. And like, with the Maydays been around for such a long time, and um, you know, it, it's a group that's made up of professional actors and people who are uh, also have day jobs as well. Mm-hmm. That isn't a problem. H- wh- what what do you think has give? W- what are the I guess the secrets of what's allowed the Maydays to su- to go on for so long so successfully? So I guess, what's your tips for groups that want to stick together and better themselves as part of that journey?
1: Um, It's kind of making yourself an improv family uh, Both on stage and off I mean actually on stage the first thing I noticed Mm. When I did my very very first show with the Maydays Particularly actually one of my first shows that I did The Comedia particularly I remember Was the feeling that I could Genuinely do anything on stage and I'd be supported Um, And it's not that I hadn't Felt great support work before But the level of Almost aggressive support And I don't mean that in a negative way at all I mean it in an incredibly positive way but like what you did was treated as being important, as being um, uh, as being right, um, and as being a a really valid offer. Um, and the fact that you get that off stage as well, I think is 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 really lovely. And it's something you know um, in Rhymes Against Humanity in, in Nottingham, we've really stressed the kind of family element. We can, you know we've held surprise parties for members of the cast and stuff like that. Um, uh, It is about having that strength of... And it is like a family bond. It's uh, having that kind of backup. You know, we'll say before shows, I've got your back. um, And whilst that is a ritual before shows, which is comforting, you also know people mean it. Mm. And I think if you are in an improv group, uh, if you have a troupe that you've put together, then really you've got to support each other. You've got to have that level of support, trust, and... uh, and genuine belief in the performance skills of the people that you're performing with that you will treat everything that they do as a fantastic thing and back it up.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's so important. And I think, you know, this comes up a lot with groups, you know, when they talk about... Because a lot of groups, say in Ireland, for example, will meet in an improv class. Mm. And then as soon as the training wheels of the teacher's taken away, there's this sense of... What the hell do we do now? And everyone's friends, and then that whole hierarchy of, you know, for the want of a better expression, the biz- business side of running a group, mm-hmm. then becomes that challenge. And so you would have come into that environment as you know they were looking for people. You're walking into that formal structure, and then you become friends with people. Mm-hmm. Is there any tips or advice around that specifically that you could offer people?
1: Oh, the the. Do you know what the business part of improv is? is never where the real joy is um it's just um it's what facilitates the joy um and i won't pretend that i fully love it at all but i recognize it as a real necessity and if i want to do the thing that i really love doing i realize i have to do my share of that and sometimes if i've set something up then i might have to do quite a large share of that um but there is a reward for that um Uh, I think if people are coming into groups, they've got to realize that um, if they are doing a lot of the kind of the admin stuff, um, the organizing stuff, that that will bring with it some negatives. And that is fine um, because they're worth it. And equally, I think if you are one of those people, you know, who is a little bit, you know, time poor or has come in at a later junction... um, You know, much as I have with with the May Days, actually, I'm hugely respectful of the amount of organisation that has already gone into it and those who are already in organisational roles who who have a specific role that they have to fulfil to do with a festival or whatever it is. Um, Because that can be stressful. Um, uh, So if you're not organising, try not to make too much stress for the people that are because it is difficult and they will have to make difficult choices. And equally, if you're making those difficult choices... Realize that you know other people have feelings,
0: Mm. absolutely. So, looking at the UK improv scene, because you know we kind of joked about this in the pub earlier. Um, you know, oh hey, I'm gonna go visit the UK. How long have you been living in London? You know, there is this (laughs) sense of like (laughs) everything gravitates around London, but obviously, you don't live in London. No, I don't. You've got a very uh prosperous scene in Nottingham. Um, what do you see? (laughs) I'm really putting you on the spot with this now, Lloydie. How do you see the evolution of the improv scene in the UK? And w- let's talk about the broader UK, and let's bring Scotland into it as well. Oh, role.
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, Edinburgh's got an amazing scene with some uh, awesomely talented improvisers, um, Who I like, people like Mark Craig, people like Will Narmé, um, people like Sam Irving, who has now been a traitor and moved to London. But, you know, <laughs> um, uh, people like that are incredible, and, you know, there'd be people that I would stand in line to improvise with. Um, uh, I think... Don't get me wrong, London is going to flourish because London is, you know, the capital and, you know, like nearly a fifth of people in the UK live in London. Um, So, yeah, of course it's going to have a a, a thriving improv scene. Uh, But London improv sometimes suffers with what London suffers with as a whole. It's like people rarely go out of the London bubble. Um, And, you know, I could start getting all, you know, this is why Brexit happened on you, but um, uh, but clearly it's going to cause George, your dog, to run round and round in circles if I do, (laughs) so I'm not going to do that. But actually, um, London needs to realise there are brilliant, thriving, dynamic cities um, in the UK that aren't London. And it's no coincidence that the first improv theatre in the UK has happened in Bristol, London. Because actually, property prices are sky high in London. They're some of the highest in the world. How are you going to set up a small arts community based around a theatre where people make stuff up on the spot in London, it's going to be damn hard um, actually, you know we will probably have an improv theatre in, Lon- uh, in, in Nottingham before London before too long, I think um, and you probably will do in places like Edinburgh, albeit that it's a little bit more expensive than Nottingham um, I think you are going to find cities like Liverpool and Manchester um, are going to drive um, huge amount of artistic development uh, particularly around improv, uh, so I see it as not just being a London thing at all. Don't get me wrong, London's going to be just fine. <laughs> London improv is gonna be just fine. We're <laughs> Nottingham, Manchester, Liverpool. We ain't a threat, uh, you know. Um, actually I'm not going to pretend that we are. Um, but what we will have is something that is our own, that is unique, and uh, and I think you'll see people, you'll see. You don't see people in London travelling outside of London very often unless they're offered some money. Um, but you will see people travelling between Bristol, Edinburgh, uh, Liverpool, Nottingham, Birmingham. Birmingham's got a great scene. John Trevor, the work he does there is utterly superb. Um, and and these scenes will travel amongst each other, uh, will help cross-pollinate each other, and I think will create a very dynamic artistic improv community um, within the wider UK.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you're also known for your talents as being a teacher. So share with us something that you have perhaps been working on recently or something that you're seeing that you like playing with in the teaching world. And maybe give us a couple of tips around it.
1: Um, I like, uh, do you know what? When people have studied improv for a little bit, and this is one for people who have at least done it, you know, maybe a level one and a level two or equivalent, um, is working with what they love because by that point they've probably done stuff on stage that they really enjoy doing Um, and I think people are so caught up in learning not so much new stuff new stuff is really 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 good but I think people beat themselves up so much I mean this isn't exclusive to improv I think artists in general do this Um, musicians do it actors do it but improvisers are very good at doing it it's why aren't I good enough? Why haven't I got on this team? Um, and you forget, why Why did you start improvising in the first place? You're probably not going to make your fortune improvising. So why did you start doing it? And you started doing it because you loved it. Why did you love it? Because it was fun. What is fun about improv for you at the moment? And it might be that new discovery that you're working on at the moment. Or it might be that you just enjoy playing inanimate things that talk. I don't know. But whatever your joy is, pursue that. Um and uh, i really love the idea and this is not mine i full credit to joran gargello from the house team revolver at io for this um and he did some stuff with us on this uh, uh with the maydays when we were out in chicago last year but find out what each other love doing on stage if you're in a team what what is it that your teammates really love doing on stage and maybe have a discussion before you do that show. Is there a kind of thing that you love doing? Do you love playing close to yourself? Do you want to play a really big character? Do you want to really use physicality in this show? You know, you're never going to be able to dictate the content, but you can do some stylistic work before you go on stage. So is there a particular style of character you want to play or a particular kind of, you know, do you want to respond in scenes or initiate a world build? What's your thing? What's your deal? Um, And then... You know, help your scene partners and your, your teammates achieve the thing that they want to do, um, and have them help facilitate the kind of thing that you want to do, and that's that's an incredible thing to do, and it's so simple, and yet how many people actually really ever do that?
0: Mm. Yeah, so true. And tell me this: this is the controversial question that's not supposed to be. Oh, okay. Um, tell us about a group or a show or something you've seen that's of recent mind. And that you're not in. <laughs> okay. And you really enjoy it. Like, just enjoy it as a human being as opposed to as an, I- a, an improviser or a teacher. Just a show in the improv community. It doesn't have to be UK, it can be international, whatever you choose. Oh, And it's God. not a popularity, though. So no,
1: no, but I th- th- the thing is at the moment, and this is genuine, having said this uh, about improv having improved in quality so much over the last few years, I could name so many. Um, like, oh, man. Uh, in the UK uh, like I said the guys in Edinburgh are doing some superb stuff like you know I would stand in line let alone to perform with but to watch Will Name or, or Mark Craig up in Edinburgh um, and I've seen them do some brilliant stuff recently like stuff that just makes me go oh man you know <laughs> I'm so jealous um, uh, that's, I mean Project 2 I'm biased because you know obviously two of them are in the May days <laughs> <laughs> um, so Oh, I, I tell you what, and I've seen them several times just recently, but do not adjust your stage in London. Um, uh, those guys are incredible, um, absolutely incredible, and super lovely as well. Um, and, you know, I would I would stand in line to watch any of them any day of the week. Um, uh, also, we've got um, a new house team in Nottingham um, called the Vox Pops, and I've seen them doing some amazing stuff just recently. They only formed this year, but, you know, they auditions and what have you and and Ben McPherson in in Nottingham is uh, driving that forward and they're a superb team so yeah Um, and degrees of error in Bristol I mean I've seen their show you know their uh, murder um, uh, the the murder mystery show that they do Um, that's awesome and that that packs houses out at Edinburgh
0: excellent well Lloydie, it's a cold chilly night in Dublin it was a lot warmer when we started (laughs) this podcast and George Dog is running around trying to sniff everything Uh, I think he's trying
1: to dig up your
0: decking he probably is probably probably is he hasn't barked during the podcast though which is nice Hi, oh, you've which been good nice. George well he done well good. done you and he's an improv dog as well he's done he's been in an improv show so oh. he's not he's not just new to this
1: oh no he knows what he's doing <laughs> he knows what he's doing
0: Lordy James Lloyd thank you very
1: much Neil Curran thank you <laughs>